Hey guys, welcome back to the OSL Podcast. Today, it is my privilege to welcome Pastor Tyler Ritz to the OSL Podcast. Uh, Tyler Ritz is our Connections Pastor here at Oaks Church. He's one of the youngest staff members that we have here at the church, and he oversees an incredible team in Connections. And essentially what Connections is, is overseeing the discipleship process in our church for new believers and people who are just getting connected to church and just beginning their journey of walking with God and learning where to serve in Oaks Church. He is a former OSL student. He is a young guy, 23 years of age, and it's amazing to see the responsibility that he's been given and what he's leading here at the church. He just graduated with his master's degree from SAGU, master's degree in organizational leadership, just a phenomenal young leader. So I'm so glad that he is with us today. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Tyler Ritz about how to lead someone to Christ. Tyler, thanks so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you yeah, coming out today. You are such an incredible member of our team here at Oaks Church on the staff. And uh, why don't you just give a breakdown of all of the different areas that you oversee here at Oaks Church? Man, I'd love to. So we kind of just say from parking lot to when people are connected, and that's really broad, and I wish we had a better coin term for it that was easier to say. But uh, really, so my team, we get to help people get connected to our church from their very first time pulling on the campus until they say, I want to be a member. And so what that looks like is every Sunday morning we have a few hundred volunteers that are there in the parking lot holding signs and they're directing traffic and they're holding doors open and just helping people get connected in every step. And so it's kind of like the first impressions thing. We call it guest services here at the Oaks. And so to be a big part of that, but then also once you're in the service and you decide, man, I'm ready to take a step, my team gets to come in and and help with that as well. So whether that is making a decision to follow Jesus, whether that is saying, I want someone to walk with me and teach me in our one-on-one discipleship curriculum, or whether that's baptism, that is growth track, it's becoming a member, it's wanting to start serving, it's kind of overseeing all of those things. And then more recently, we at the Oaks, we kind of do communion a really cool way, but it's different than a lot of people. And, and we just oversee the execution and the preparation for communion. Just so. incredible. So much responsibility. Dude, it's so fun, have, man. man. You're doing such a great job. Thank you. So what's your age again? I'm 23. You're 23. And is this your, you've had a full year in ministry, right? Is this, are you coming in your second year now? Yeah. So I just started my second year a few months ago. Okay. So all those things in your second year and you went through OSL. I did. And you learned a lot in that time. Yeah. So multiple years, but, but essentially going into your second year of full-time ministry. That's, yeah, that's a huge responsibility that's been entrusted to you. Yeah. I I guess my next question is, you know, how, how are you dealing with that? amount that that weight that burden of responsibility yeah i think one thing that just i've had to do honestly is when when i came to college i kind of had this expectation and this plan for my life of you know i'm going to be in ministry and this is kind of how to go out and really my first day of college i felt like the lord said to me hey will you do what i want you to do and i was like uh, yeah i already am and he was like no you've made your own plans will you do what i want you to do And so since that day, every single day I've woken up and just said, hey, God, what do you want for today? 
And really what that does is it really simplifies it for me. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about the pressure of the, oh my gosh, I have 10 things that I have to oversee. Or it's just, hey God, what do you want me to do today? And when I've had that mindset, it's just it's just been a lot easier. And I guess that would be how I, I manage it, if you will, yeah. is just saying like, God, I just need your help today because I, I, I'm 23. I can't do this on my own. I don't have a whole lot of experience. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I need you to help me with this. Yeah. Well, you're doing an awesome job well, and we're so blessed to have you on the team. Thank you, man. And you actually function as a leader beyond your years. And if I didn't know that you just told me you were 23 and didn't know about your background, I'd be like, oh, this dude's for sure 30, 32 years old, 10 years experience. So it's amazing to have you on the team. So I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. What we wanted to do was we we really wanted to have a podcast to talk about leading someone to Christ and making a disciple and getting them to the place where they've accepted Jesus and maybe taking the next step of water baptism. So I was thinking about my own experience. You know, when I was younger, it was more an issue when I was... I wanted to talk to somebody about Jesus and share my faith. It was more an issue of I was kind of afraid to. But as I've gotten older, it's more like I don't have the time. I don't have the time, and it seems to get yeah. lost, and it's very difficult to prioritize. Sure, evangelism and discipleship. So, first of all, what, what's your advice to to people out there that might be thinking I, I want to do this, but it's hard to keep it in front of me at all times? Do you have any advice on that? Yeah, for sure. So one thing that we always talk about here at the Oaks is our number one responsibility. And when Jesus was about to ascend back into heaven after his three years of ministry, he pulls aside his disciples and he says, hey, now I want you to, now is when it really starts. Now I want you to go into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we take that to say, man, if Jesus took his last little bit of time with his followers to say, this is the commandment I'm giving you, then that's pretty important, right? The number one thing. Yeah. And so we kind of coined that as that's our number one responsibility. And and it was so hard for me for years, just like you're saying, how how do I do this? How do I find the time? It's like, I'm at work. I'm, I've got a family. What do, what happens? And really, what I found is that to follow the command of Jesus and to do it well is it has to become a part of your life. So it's not something that's added on to your life. It's not something that you say like, oh, I'm going to do my checklist of things to do. And on that checklist is help people become disciples. But it's who I've become. I have become a disciple maker. And so I would say that it's just important that if you're a follower of Jesus, and that is the greatest command he's given us, what or the last command he gave us, that you, you own that and you say, that's who I am. I will make disciples. It's not something I just do, but it's just I'm a disciple maker. Yeah, yeah. And so... I would just say for me, just becoming that instead of doing it. And it's just a mind shift of saying, this is who I am, not just something I do. I've tried to put it on my calendar. I've tried to tell people, you know, hold me accountable. Make sure that I've texted this person at least once or twice this week. You know, make sure I've, you know, especially my wife, like, please hold me accountable. Yeah, help me. Because if not, it will get lost. And that's, that's, you know, the whole reason why we're here. This is the number one reason why we're here. So... I was thinking about why this is it's so hard sometimes for someone to share their faith and we have opinions and beliefs on all kinds of things from sports to movies to everything and we're we're pretty much 
freely share those beliefs and those opinions. And nowadays you can drop something on Twitter or social media and it can go everywhere and you just right. don't care. You just say whatever you want. You know, we have leaders in our country that people just, they just throw everything out there. <laughs> but when it comes to sharing your faith, why do you think it's so hard to share your faith with somebody? Hmm. So, I mean, thinking about my own life is a lot of times it was kind of like an afraid to rock the boat thing. Mm -hmm. It's like all of my friends, they know that I'm a Christian. They know what I stand for. But sometimes, especially like now, I feel like it's a little easier for me. But especially in high school, it was kind of more like a man. I don't want people to shut me off because what I believe is different from what they believe or from what they think. And so I think that's what makes it makes it so hard is a lot of what we believe and a lot of what I stand for is different from the norm and it's different from culture. And I think sometimes culture says, if you're not different and you're not accepting of what I believe, then you don't love me. And so I think that that kind of just brings up a little bit of fear in people and and naturally why would it not because we want people to know we love them but we also we have things that we stick to and what we believe and so i think like sharing faith becomes hard when it goes against what other people are doing and what people you love are doing and so sometimes it's just easier to just not talk about it yeah because you're you know you're anytime you try to inspire someone to change their routine or their life it's you know, it's challenging. It's challenging yeah. to change, and, and you're switching things up, and there's some of that. And then there's also probably that spiritual side, that attack of the of the enemy to try to do whatever he can. Yeah, to keep for sure. From sharing your sharing your faith. So you think it's getting easier? I mean, is it easier for you as you get older? So I personally, it, it's just become. I think with maturity comes just an ability to adapt, but also I've established now more mature relationships where I can realize that like my friends that I have now, just because I disagree with them doesn't mean I love them less. And I think there's a level of maturity with those friends as well to say like, you know, me and Tyler, we may not agree or we may not feel the same way, but we love each other and there's nothing. And so I think I'm just at a place where I'm more confident in my relationships now to where it is less scary. And then there's, I think with confidence and with age sometimes comes more of a boldness. And, you know, and honestly, it's probably just, I've grown in my walk with the Lord to a level yeah. where I'm, I'm walking in the authority that God has given me to where I can say like, Hey, you know, I love you, but this is what I believe. And I just want to, I believe that what I have is going to help you. And so when I, Pitch it as this is going to help you. I'm not cramming something down your throat. I'm not prescribing uh, a fix for your whole life. I'm just saying, hey, I believe in a God who yeah. can help you and who can fix this. And I want you to have that if you want it. But if not, I still love you and I'm still going to be for you and with you. And so I think just that confidence in has grown as I've gotten older. But also it, it definitely comes with the I'm growing in my walk with the Lord and I just have more wisdom from yeah. the Lord on how to handle those things. Yeah. And one thing I picked up from your generation and I, I can comfortably say that you're a generation behind me <laughs> because I just turned 40. But anyway, uh, that's beside the point. But one thing I've picked up from your generation is I think that you guys, you stand on your beliefs and you proclaim them much easier, much yeah. easier with much more confidence sure. than I think my generation did growing up. And I think if I was 23, even though I was pastoring a church, it still was a, Harder, it seemed like a harder struggle yeah. 
for me when I think you guys are, are much more confident. I think that's something that God's doing in the church with our younger people is he is given that confidence, that courage to right. step out. And it's, it's amazing to see that. Well, and I think a part of that, Brian, honestly, is that, and I don't mean this in, in a bad way, but your generation, <laughs> uh, your generation uh-uh. has, it, it was kind of, it, even with my parents, with P, I feel like up until now, yeah. these things haven't been like, it, it hasn't been cool to, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there are certain things and issues that my generation is dealing with that like, I have several close friends who, uh, I have a friend who's an atheist, I have a friend who's homosexual, and uh, I think that that has just become the norm now. And so it's like, I love these people. And for you guys, not that those things weren't around, but it wasn't as popular. And it wasn't as much of a like, oh, I want to talk about this. I want everyone to know. And so when it did come up, it could have been harder, you know, Mm -hmm. to talk about faith or, but I do think that our generation has to be more comfortable with it because every one of our friends, everyone that we're reaching has those kind of people around them. Yeah. And it's like, we have to be prepared and, and knowledgeable and comfortable with how to handle those situations. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now that I'm thinking about it in this conversation where, where your generation can just so easily come out and say, I'm an atheist or I am, I'm a homosexual, right, I've, right. I've got homosexual tendencies or what, whatever, whatever that just, they do it so freely. Whereas right. In my generation, it was like, don't say that. Don't tell anyone. Exactly. That kind of bleeds over in the fact that, hey, they're expressing themselves and you can express yourself and your exactly. belief in much more open open dialogue. So I think it's I think it's amazing. Yeah. You know, you know some of my background. Like I've grown up in the church, basically right. been in the church all of my life. And I speak church in these. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Lots of people speak church in these. And I was wondering, do you have any advice on how to keep the Bible simple because so often when I'm in a conversation with somebody that's it's everything's brand new and I'll I'll drop words like righteousness yeah not even thinking that this yeah. person has no idea what that even means right do you have any advice on that how to how to try to how to keep things simple yeah so uh one thing that I do is I and I went through bible college so call me a nerd for this but I believe that I'm and I think everyone would agree but it's really important that we understand context of what scripture means and and so before we go and start talking about scripture just quoting a scripture sometimes it's great to know the word of God but on a deeper level than just quoting is to know it and to know what it means and to know the context in which it was written. And so for me, what I try to do is I just want to learn the scripture and memorize it, but I want to know what it means. And then if you started out in, in King James version, you know, the Christianese, it's sometimes it's going to be really hard, especially yeah. when talking with people who aren't Christians, they're like, I don't even know the word you just said. Why would I believe what you're saying? You know? And so I've had to come to this place where, yeah, I can quote a scripture to you, but I also know what it means. And then for my friends that don't know who Jesus is, I'm not going to say words and, and I like righteous. And, and if I do say righteous, I'll say, and really what that means is, yeah. and, and I just kind of explain. And, and what I think that that does is if you have the understanding, then you're not going to change what the verse means, but you're able to put it into words that they understand. And I think yeah. that there's a very important balance there. You want it to be where people can relate to it and understand what it means, but you don't want to deviate from the original context and what the writer that was inspired by God wrote. You know? Yeah, yeah. So when when someone, let's say someone comes to church on Sunday morning and 
and they decide that they're going to come to the front. Right. They're going to make a commitment. Your team takes them through that moment. I know we don't have the follow Jesus curriculum in front of us, but where for somebody out there is going, well, where do I even start? Like where, where is the starting point from that moment to say, here's maybe what we should read <clears throat> or look at? Yeah. So, so I believe, and what we do here at the Oaks is we want to take, we, we take anyone who makes a decision aside and celebrate because man, that is the greatest decision you'll ever make in your whole life is to follow Jesus. And really there are a ton of steps to take. I mean, when you get saved, it's like you're kind of going from, let's say if you're starting at a one or, or even a zero, it's like, we're trying to get to a 10 in our relationship with the Lord. Right. And, and I think it's so intimidating sometimes coming into that relationship with Jesus. There's a lot of emotion surrounding this. Everyone's clapping. You're walking down to give your life to Jesus, and it feels so good. But then you go home, and you're like, oh, man, I have to, what? I have to learn how to read a Bible. I have to learn how to pray. And, you know, so we just try to say what's the most simple thing we can do. And really, I think the verse that I use every week is just, it's Second Corinthians 5, 17. Mm-hmm. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Yeah. The old is gone. The new has come. And then in scripture, you'll find that there, anytime someone comes to know Jesus or decides to follow, it's, it's baptism that is, is almost simultaneous with following Jesus. So it wasn't even like, I'm going to pray and say, God, come into my heart. It was just get baptized, and that's yeah. how you symbolize you're following Jesus. And so that's kind of the next step that that we say is when you get saved, you get baptized. And in Romans 6, the Bible just talks about the symbolism of baptism, and, and we just tie that back to that 2 Corinthians 5, the old life versus new life. And then in Romans 6, it talks about how the water symbolizes a grave. And when you go down into the water, your old life is being buried and your old life is gone. And then you're raised out of the water into the new life. And so, man, I think that those are some solid scriptures to just set up. Hey, this is what this is what it's like to follow Jesus. It's an old life and a new life. And that's really one of the most simple ways that I've found that we found to to explain that to a new believer. That's good. (laughs) We need to hear how to try to make that simple and where a good starting point is. I'm thinking about the people that most of the time, you know, when they're in church, mm-hmm. 99 times out of 100, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, maybe you would know better, but it seems like people people come to faith out of pastor's message, message because they're dealing with something in their right. own life. Yeah. Maybe they're dealing with an addiction or financial loss or divorce or some sort of tragedy that they're going through. It's a moment where they go, this may be the answer, this may me the answer that I need and it is the answer right but so often I think that the person might be looking for a solution to that particular problem that they were facing so when does that come up you know let's I mean you just throw because we've talked about homosexuality if someone's dealing with that and they're they're struggling with that because their parents have rejected them and, and and they're like I just need an answer but but they they are homosexual mm-hmm. and they come to the front you're not trying to fix that in the first five minutes, are you? I mean, no. how, when does that come into play? Yeah, I do think that there is somewhat of an intensity of the situation can can differ and can change. Yeah. Um, and, and I really think that Jesus modeled that well in just how to handle that. It's Jesus didn't go, he did say, go and, and follow me. But a part of the, the whole making disciple thing, it was like turn 
turn from what you're doing, come and start a life of following me. But I think about the disciples and all of the lessons that Jesus taught along the way with the disciples. I mean, even down to right before Jesus died, Peter cut someone someone's ear off. And it's like, that is, is probably a reflection of his old life still coming up, you know? And so really what I say and, and really what I believe in my heart and what I do with my friends who come to know Jesus is, hey, you're going to follow Jesus. And if you're listening to the Lord and you're trying and making that effort, you're going to grow in that. And then as you grow, it's it's between you and the Lord. It's like you work out your own salvation with the Lord. Obviously, there are some issues where it's like, man, this you got to fix this, right? And and there's some things that are just like absolutely go against the word of God and and so there are some instances when when I will say to a new believer, man, this is something I'm so honored that you would trust me to tell me this and you would allow me to to speak into this with you, but I'm not an expert in this and I can love you and I can pray for you, but also I want to get you help and the Lord can take this and help you and give you a new life apart from this old life, but there are people that are better equipped. And so a lot of times I will refer them to a counselor or, you know, here at the Oaks, we have freedom groups that happen every week. And sometimes it is an issue of this is, this is a stronghold that this is something that I've dealt with for a very long time and I can't get rid of it on my own. I need some specific practical, but also spiritual things to do to be freed from this. I don't, I don't know if that's answered your question fully, but I think it's, it's really just to say, you know what? The decision that you made today is to follow Jesus. And that is enough. And then he's going to help you with the rest. As you get closer to Jesus and become more like Jesus, he's going to work out all the things that aren't like him. And then we have practical things that we can do to help them. And counseling is, is incredible for people who are new to Jesus because it's like there are things I didn't even realize were a problem until I started following Jesus. And now it's like, oh, I, I don't want this in my life anymore, yeah. but I need help. And so I think establishing that and then having the practice to go with it and to help is, is what I do and what I yeah. would encourage everyone to do. Yeah, And we're all dealing with something, you know, like right. one, of the, one of the things that I think has been hurtful for the church is that I think a lot of times I've seen people give their lives to the Lord and they're in a moment of victory. And what do we do sometimes is we try to guilt trip them into fixing whatever it is that they're dealing with. Absolutely. And I think I love, I love what you just said because it was so, it's so love focused. It's like, I don't have the answer. I'm just loving you. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I'll try to help you get to a place that person might help you with the answer or yeah, it's always keeping love as the priority. Right. And I think it's, that's the key. Well, it's, I've got, I've got my own things that I'm right. working out yeah. with the Lord yeah. and with, with a counselor, or with friends or with my support team. But it's like, I can't fix you. The Lord does that. I just love you and help you and, and point you in the right direction. And that's our job as disciple makers. Yeah. yeah. Do you, do you have a really good story? I mean, you don't have to use names if you don't want to, but do you have a good story of someone that's gone through this process or maybe that you've helped through the process or somebody on your team. Yeah. So I have a friend actually who decided to follow Jesus about two years ago. And there were just a lot of parts of his life that were normal to him that are are obviously contradictory to, to scripture and, and life in Christ. And so 
in the beginning of his time following Jesus, we just started hanging out and we would meet and I'd say, Hey man, what, what questions do you have about following Jesus and how can I help you? And, and we talked about partying and we talked about, um, you know, the way that he treats women and, and the things that happen when he would go to a club or when he, you know, and there were just things that were like, Hey, you know, this is probably not going to help you in your walk with Jesus. And these are probably things that you need to step out from. And if you, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, this is that point where you turn and leave behind these things and you go after Jesus. It's been a journey because it's, if that's your normal life for 20 years, that's all you've ever known. And then it's like in one day, we can't expect you to just turn and never have those thoughts again, or never have those feelings or never go to a party again. And, and, I think they're just, it's like with Jesus and the disciples, once again, it's just a learning curve where, oh yeah, I can't do that. What am I thinking? And so even my friend is incredible. He's following Jesus now. He hasn't touched alcohol in, in almost a year. I mean, he's just, he's following Jesus and serving him so well. And you know, one of my, just even recently, there was there was an instance where um, there was just something out of complete innocence that he posted on Instagram and I saw it and I was like man I'm so glad that you're having fun and that you're reaching out to your friends who don't know Jesus but because of who you are now and because of what you represent I just want you to think is that something that you in your new life in and your friends knowing the decision that you've made is that something you want to go back to and celebrate on your Instagram story. And and that was a, it was a cool moment because honestly, it was completely innocent. It was celebrating a friend's 21st birthday, but it was like one of those moments of caring and saying, Hey, like, I know that you're following Jesus, but that is a reflection of your old life. And you're, you're still friends with those people and you love those people and you're pointing them to Jesus but by you endorsing it almost on Instagram, it's, it's just, and so all of that to say, I think that it's just a process and it's a learning thing where truly innocence, sometimes people just don't know if they haven't been following Jesus for a long time. And so there has to be grace. Are there any, are there any main, let's, let's call them like core principles for uh, a believer, someone like me that, that we can do to get better at leading others to Christ? One thing that uh, I've had to learn is that factor of you have to have grace. Um, And I think obviously, once again, Jesus modeled this where for us, he, he had grace on us. And I think about just because the ways that I fail aren't the same as my friend, it's I'm still failing. I'm still learning. And I'm a pastor and, and God has grace on me. And so how can I not extend that to someone that I'm discipling? And, but just sometimes uh, I think the shock factor is what, what, what does it, honestly, because I believe that there's no sin that's greater than another sin, but there is greater shock factor, right? So it's like if, I'm, if I tell a, a lie, man, that's a sin and that's wrong. And the Lord is going to deal with me for that. It's, it's on the same level of sin as if I were to go out and get drunk or do something on those, on those side of things, but it's the shock factor that's different. And yeah. so I just have to remind myself, I can't be shocked by sin. That's I can't good. be shocked by what the devil does because he's going to go hard, especially after someone makes a decision to follow Jesus. 
He's going to do whatever he can to tempt them. And so I have to remember God has grace with me and I know what's right. And I've been following Jesus for 20 years. And so I have to have grace with my friend who doesn't know and who's been following for a year. And so I think if we can instill that principle in our hearts and in our minds to always be thinking, I know and I still struggle. Think about someone who doesn't know how much grace should I have for them? How much should I extend to help them? Yeah. Um, and I think that, that it, that's huge. But I also think uh, just another principle in leading someone to Jesus and pointing someone to Jesus is don't put pressure on a moment. There is a moment, a defining moment where you say, I am changing my ways. I'm turning. I'm following Jesus, but it's a process more than anything. And we're all in this process. And so even especially when I was younger, when I was in high school, I know that a lot of high schoolers listen to this podcast. I know that when I was in high school, there was just this I felt discouraged constantly if my friends weren't just dropping everything and coming to know Jesus. But I distinctly remember moments where my friend was hurt and upset and they would come to me and ask me for prayer, even knowing they're not a believer or knowing I don't. And it was sometimes discouraging. I was like, well, why don't you know I love Jesus? We've we've talked about it a little bit. You've seen my life. Why why are you not coming to know Jesus? And just realizing that there are seeds that you plant along the way to where there is the moment of turning, but there's work done before that. And then there's a lot more work done after. And we put so much pressure on the moment that sometimes it feels like a letdown if we're not there yet or we're past that and it seems like failure. And so really put value in the process before Jesus and after Jesus rather than just on that moment because that's when the loving happens. That's when the pointing to Jesus happens. The decision is a culmination of all the work and all the prayer and all that you've done beforehand, but then that's also not the end. There's so much more work after to help your friends build that relationship with Jesus. Awesome. That is such good advice. Awesome. I got two questions. Yeah, I'm ready. Show out. First question is this, what's the biggest challenge that you're facing right now as a leader? Oh, <laughs> which one? <laughs> um, I think just something that I am am learning as a leader and as a pastor, like we talked about earlier, I have more responsibility than I've ever known. I have more on my shoulders than I've ever known. And, and truly something that is hard for me because I care so much is being able to turn it off and and go home almost and you know I don't have kids I have a wife though and I I do have a f- like my family lives in the area and sometimes it's just hard for me to be able to say I have all these things going on I have all these let's just say problems if you will there I, I wouldn't call them problems necessarily but I have all these things happening and always going through my mind and it's a high level of leadership and so the hardest thing for me right now is really learning how do I shut it off and how do I have time at home where my time with the Lord, my rest, my time with my wife isn't consumed. Even if physically I'm not on my phone or I'm not uh, answering emails, I'm at dinner with my wife, 
but my mind is consumed with, oh, I can't forget to send this email. I can't forget to talk to this person. I can't drop the ball on this. And, and that is not, I've, that's not how God wants me to lead. I don't think that's how God wants us to lead. And so once again, I'm working with my counselor to figure out how can I, and I don't know that you can fully ever get away from just having the let's say burden, if you will, but it's how can I classify things in my mind? Okay, that's work. And I'm with my wife right now and yeah. she's more important than that. And, yeah. and my relationship with the Lord and my time with the Lord, it's because it's church. It's so easy to have a blurred line, but I need this for me. And so in, in just a moment of vulnerability, it's saying I am working very hard to figure out how do I separate these things and, and keep these things separate even though they go together and they're all intertwined, but it's, I need time with my wife. I need time with the Lord in order for what I do here to be sustainable and, and to function well and to grow. And so that's what I'm working on right now. So good. So good. One more question for you. You remember when you were 18? Yes. Give me one or two things that you would want to tell your 18 year old self to prepare them for the next four or five years. Okay. When I was 18, I was very, very passionate and excited about uh, what God had called me to do. I knew it, it was time in my life where I've decided, okay, I'm going, I'm going to Sagu. I'm going to be a part of OSL. I know what's happening and I know kind of the direction I'm going to go into ministry. But I just went so specific in my mind with, oh, this is what God is calling me to. And I truly believe sometimes that there is a, God spoke to me and said, I'm going to do this. But sometimes for me, I just made assumptions based off of what I liked. What and, and I think God gives you things that you like and that you're good at to reveal your purpose. But sometimes we self-medicate or self-prescribe to where we're we're like, oh, well, this must be what I'm supposed to do. And then if, I mean, for me, I ran so hard with it. And, and then I think what what I would just say as advice with all of that as a backstory is there were several moments where it felt like I ran into a brick wall with the Lord and he was like, Hey, stop what you're doing because you haven't checked with me in any of this. It's you've said you want to be in this worship internship and you said you want to be this kind of pastor one day. And you said all of these things. And even as much as all of that was for the Lord, it's like, I'm still running against what he really wants me to do. And I think just if I could have realized when I was 18 <laughs> that all I have to do is worry about today. And, and truly, I've, I said this earlier, but the m most impactful thing for my entire life that I've ever done is just decide I'm going to do what God asked me to today. And I don't have to worry about what I'm going to do in five years. Sometimes there's this tendency to, I have to fight for my spot and I have to prove that I'm the best and I have to go and, and check all these things off a list so that I can be in the spot that I want to be in. And ultimately, if you'll just say, God, what do you want today? Then he's going to put you where he wants you. You don't have to fight for it and you don't have to make anything happen. And, and I wish I would have known that. And, and if I could say, if you get anything from listening to this, get this, that you don't need to make anything happen for yourself, mm -hmm. that you can trust the Lord yeah. and truly say, what do you want today? 
And if you do that enough, before you know it, a year's gone by and you're somewhere you never thought you'd be simply because you've been obedient. And then keep going and just see what God does in your life. And I promise you the place that you end up doing that is going to be far greater, far better than anything you could have worked yourself into on your own. Cool. Man, thanks so much, Tyler, for joining us today on this podcast. Yeah. And uh, would you be open to coming on in the future? I would love to, man. It's been so an honor. Cool. So cool. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Tyler.